0: Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. We're going to open to Romans chapter 8 this morning starting in verse 35, Romans chapter eight, starting in verse 35. Next week, we'll actually be starting a new series called Bearing Fruit in the Wilderness. Uh, We're going to ask God to give us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self control, the fruit of the Spirit in this time of a shut in. There are so many challenges being shut in, and yet God assures us that the Spirit is alive and at work in us. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to be asking God in the next nine weeks to give us the fruit of the Spirit and what that might look like in our family. But for this morning, let's continue to look at the comfort that God offers us in these difficult times. Two weeks ago, we casted our anxieties on God. Last week, we anchored ourselves in the calm of God. This morning, I want to look at Paul's letter to the house churches in Rome, especially chapter 8 together. We're experiencing, all of us, separation of different kinds during this COVID-19 crisis. But Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from God's loving presence. And this has been so helpful to me in the past week. I don't know if you're like me, but this past week, things are getting a little more real. Things are getting a little bit more uh, intense. And there are moments where I I have to catch my breath. And I have been reminded, in part because I'm studying for this sermon, I've been reminded that the one thing that absolutely matters most, which is God's loving presence, will never be separated from me. And I want to pass that on to you this morning. So let's just start by reading the text. Again, we're going to look at verse 35 of chapter 8. This is God's word. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Our Lord, Lord, please speak for your servants are listening. Holy Spirit, open our hearts so that we would not just learn information, but that we would see you, Jesus. And God, that we would worship you and that you would loosen and unbind our hearts to relax in you and to sing of you and to trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, this past week, I was supposed to be on vacation with my family, my parents in Florida. Uh, It was on our calendar for months. And as many of you know, time with my parents is absolutely a precious thing. April 1st marks the fifth year of my dad's battle against cancer. And so we were excited to celebrate with them and to just be with them, to be with them. But when COVID-19 came to Florida, we canceled our visit. We can't even make it up to them by going to Indiana right now. We are separated by COVID-19. Every single Friday this past year, my kids get a visit from their ganga, Josie's mom. And this has been a consistent joy for us. But right now, we are separated by COVID-19. Same goes for church. Every single Sunday, for the past 10 years of my life, I have walked through the front doors of the metro to worship with you, to be with you, to see you, to talk with you, to sing with you. But right now, I'm talking into a phone and we are separated by COVID-19. Same goes for my home group. Pretty much every week of my adult life, I have had a home group. I have invited people into my house where we share life, where we share prayer, where we share food. But right now, we are separated by COVID-19. This social separation is absolutely necessary right now. But that doesn't make it easy. If you've been at our church for any time, you know this is a common theme in my preaching. We see in the scriptures how we are made for community. God is a divine community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one mystery. And we are made in his likeness so that when we are isolated or separated, there is a sense in which we are dehumanized because we are made for community. Separation and isolation is a result of humanity's fall into sin, into their rebellion. Separation and anxiety about isolation is just not the way it's supposed to be. In fact, C.S. Lewis, he picked up on these themes in his book, The, The Great Divorce. He imagines hell to be a world of separation. Where people move further and further and further away from each other. And so while it's necessary to separate for public health and for love of neighbor, I think we can all agree that it feels like hell. It's not the way it's supposed to be. In fact, I think we are so wired for real community that I wonder if this social distancing is bleeding into a spiritual distancing. Think about it. It is so hard for me to separate the presence of God's people in my life in the, the presence of God himself in my life. I'll say that again. It's hard to separate the presence of God's people in my life from the presence of God himself in my life. After all, they are the body of Christ. And so I wonder if many of you are feeling not only socially distant from each other, but spiritually distant from God. I received an email recently that said, God is not in quarantine. Amen. That is true. But I want to ask you right now, do you believe that to be true or are you struggling to believe that? Maybe you have your doubts. Is God in quarantine as well? Where is he right now? Where is he? And where is he in my life? So in a season of relational separation, it might feel like God is next. Well, in our passage this morning that we read aloud, the Apostle Paul is encouraging a bunch of house churches in Rome who had this same exact question and this same exact doubt. These house churches were mostly full of people who were on the margins of society. Slaves, former slaves, folks with no inheritances or no earthly security of all. If they had anything, it was basically hardship. And so many in these churches were asking, is God separating himself from us? Because all of the evidence points in that direction. And so what Paul does, the apostle, the church planter, the pastor, what Paul does is he names it. He voices their question for them. I love Paul. Paul doesn't hide the hard questions. He voices them and he hits them head on. And so in verse 35, he asks, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He voices their question and he voices our question. I think we all need to voice this question this morning in this season of separation. Who or what can separate us from God's love? Who or what can separate us from the friendly face of God? Who or what can separate us from the caring commitment of God? The peaceful presence of God. Well, Paul gives us a long list of things that are most likely to separate us from God's love. This is what New Testament scholar Michael Byrd calls... The usual suspects. These are the usual suspects that, that all of humanity across time and space basically have laid down as things that can separate us from God's peaceful presence, friendly face, and caring commitment. His love. What are they? Well, if you look down at the text, you'll see them once again. He names tribulation. He names distress he names persecution he names famine he names nakedness danger and sword and then in verse 36 he says for your sake we are being killed all the day long We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then verse 37. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is a list of all of the things. The usual suspects. Tribulation, which means trouble. Distress, which is basically a calamity that comes upon us. Persecution which means attacks from the outside, famine, which is hunger, nakedness, which is destitution, danger, sword, which is the threat of death, death, life, angels, rulers, present things, which are the fears that we have for today, future things, which are the worries that we have for tomorrow, powers, that is the powers of hell, height, the powers in the sky, depth, the powers on earth. And then in case we missed anything, Paul says anything else, in all of creation, none of that will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, we could easily add pandemic to this list. All of these things have the power, we think, to separate. And actually, all of these things do have a power, a kind of power to separate Calamity can separate. We're all in it right now. But what Paul is sure of, he is sure of in verse 36, that no matter how many social separations that we can experience, these things will never separate us from God's loving presence. Never. He says, This I am sure of. How can he be so sure? Well, The short answer is Jesus. But that's also Paul's long answer, Jesus. Paul basically points us to Jesus in this passage. Paul is saying if Jesus died, if Jesus was raised, and if Jesus ascended into heaven, then absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. This list of sad things that we just read do not have to have the final word for us. Paul's pastoral aim for us is to convince us of this truth. Because we need convincing, amen? We need to know. We need to, we need to know that this is actually true. That there's one thing, at least one thing in our life. And it's the most important thing that cannot be separated from us. And it's the love of God. And in order to be convinced, we need to see Jesus. That's, that's Paul's aim. He wants us to see Jesus, his crucifixion. His resurrection and his ascension in heaven as he he intercedes for us. We need to see this. We need to experience this. We need to trust this in order for us to be convinced ourselves that, yes, there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. And so he does this by pointing us to all of those things. First, the crucifixion. Paul wants to convince our hearts about the non-separating love of God by showing the crucifixion to us. And what we need to do in order to see this is back up a few verses to verse 32. Because in it, Paul writes, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Why is the cross so convincing for Paul? Well, because Paul sees in the cross an airtight logic of love. It's a logic of the harder to the easier. It's as some have called it, a logic of love. So it's like this, from the harder to the easier. If Frank can pick up a boulder, which is hard, then Frank can pick up his suitcase or his child, which is easy. Or if Susan can qualify to run the Boston Marathon, then Susan can walk down her street. Well, if God can hand over his beloved son for our sins, then clearly, as Paul says, he can give us all things, which includes the non-separating love. The eternal, unchanging, never-let-you-go love. Of God, Paul knows the crucifixion has a convincing power, and I love imagining him returning to that logic in his own life of struggle. He's thinking as he's shipwrecked. He's thinking as he's being attacked. He's thinking as he's being lashed. He's thinking, OK, OK, the cross proves in my heart and in my mind that nothing can separate me from his love. He also goes to the resurrection. He, he takes us to the resurrection. He wants it to convince us that God will never distance himself from you. In verse 34, we see it. Paul asks, who is to condemn? And the answer for him is nobody. Why? Because Jesus died for us. But more than that, he was raised for us. So think about it. If Jesus stayed dead, then we stayed dead in our sins. And any hope that this broken world will be fixed, would be futile, as Paul teaches. The cross of Christ removed our sin and dealt with sin's penalty. The resurrection of Jesus, according to Paul, he was raised for our justification, meaning that Jesus himself uh, shows that that death worked, and that in Jesus, being united to Jesus, we have his life, which means we have God's love forever. If Jesus was raised, we are alive with Jesus. If you are united to the risen Jesus, then how can God withdraw his love from you? It's impossible. That's Paul's argument. And then he points us to the ascension of Christ. So the crucifixion, the resurrection and the ascension. And frankly, I don't give this as much attention and I don't think many of us do, but Paul derives a ton of comfort in this reality. That Jesus, and says in verse 34, is our priest right now who is interceding for us. He is in our corner. He's not convincing God to love us. But he is the warrant, as Michael Byrd puts it, for God's love. He makes it. Possible for his holiness and his goodness to be perfectly full force at all times in our life. We don't have a father in heaven who's waiting for the right time to just abandon us. How could he? Jesus is interceding for us. This means we can relax in the presence of God like a child who falls asleep on their parents shoulder. We don't have to have our act together with God for him to receive us. Jesus is interceding. So Amy Carmichael, she was a relatively unknown missionary from Ireland. And in the early 1900s, she started a hostel and a hospital for children in southern India who were victims of human trafficking. And she stayed there for the rest of her life. And you really need to read about her if you've not heard of her before. My wife introduced her to me. Well, for the last 20 years of her life, she was injured. And therefore, she was confined to her bed and to her chair. And she felt, therefore, separated from others. But in those years, she wrote, and we have her writings. And a few weeks ago, I came across this reflection she has on John fifteen nine. John 59 says, as the father has loved me, says Jesus, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. She writes, the most tired of us can remain. The most tired of us can stay there. Be there. No words can be too simple, she says, to explain what our Lord means by this. He says simply, do not go away. Don't you see Jesus is so committed to staying near to you that he asks you, just be here. Just don't go away. He died for you. He was raised for you. And right now he intercedes for you. He intercedes your mixed up. Wordless prayers. He's that committed to being with you. See, because of Jesus, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And I think this is what all of us need to remember in this season of separation. The non-separating love of God. The non-separating love of God. That's what I want you to rest in during this season of separation. I want you to rest in the non-separating love of God. As you struggle with the separations in your life right now, allow it to draw you into the non-separating love of God. I think this is good. I think the non-separating love of God that Paul unpacks for us here allows us to be totally honest about how hard social separation is. When everybody else is sort of maybe leaning on wishful thinking on the one hand or perhaps moving towards despair on the other, What, what Paul gives us this morning is an invitation to lament. I think we're, we're given an inv- invitation to be honest about the struggle in part because we have a bedrock assurance that there is at least a love of God that we will not be separated from. It's not scary to name the struggle when we have this. In fact, Paul uses Psalm 44 in the text we read, one of the most profound and relentless laments that we have in the Bible. He says it's like we're sheep's sheep heading towards our death, and that it feels like God is asleep to that. That's what Psalm 44 is after. And when we say that to God, when we say it feels like we're careening towards a death, and it feels like, God, you're asleep to it. When we say that, as my friend John put it this past week, that is saying that is faith. And as he put it, not saying it is unbelief. Lament is an act of faith. And I think the non-separating love of God invites us and gives us space to do just that. I also think the non-separating love of God could mean for you assurance when you need it the most. I think we all need assurance right now. A lot of us, maybe we're not getting checked in on as much with texts. Maybe our, our FaceTimes are going down and we're starting to just feel like nobody loves us. Maybe we're not being cared for like in the way that we wish we were cared for. And suddenly we're thinking, are all my friend structures that I had before this came, was it all fake? Was it all was it all sort of vapor and has it just gone away? Am I alone? Will I always be alone? And I know, I know many of you are thinking this. Isolation and separation has a way of just getting into your insecurities. And I want you to see that we have an amazing assurance from God right now that he will never separate from you. And I think this is the assurance that you ultimately need because the whole world could collapse around you. And if you have this, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. When we're separated from a loved one, or our assurance of their love might wane, God's love will never wane. I love how Bill Mouse puts it. He says, there's absolutely nothing that can drive a wedge between the children of God and their heavenly father. And this makes us, as Paul calls it, more than conquerors or more literally super victorious. And you're thinking, how on earth is a sheep being led to slaughter super victorious? Well, it's super victorious because those realities don't conquer us. The hardships that we're experiencing don't conquer us. Why? We have the non-separating love of God. That's why. That's all we need. That's all we need need. Paul makes a list, a long list of things that could theoretically separate us and and, and shipwreck us. And I would actually encourage you to do that. I think this would be a good exercise for us all right now. Make a list of like the top 10 things that you think could drive a wedge between you and God. Or maybe things that you feel like have driven a wedge between you and God. And now with Paul right over that list. I am more than victorious over those things. Because I'm in Jesus. And in Jesus, I have the non separating love of God. And I think finally, to close this out a bit. The non-separating love of God means that we can sing, that we can sing. So yeah, we can lament and we can have assurance. I also think it can loosen our tongue to sing. In fact, theologians and scholars of this Greek text, they look at Paul and how he wrote and composed this uh, section of his letter to the Romans. And they suggest that this chapter was probably written to be sung. It's as if Paul wanted this to be Uh, set to music, so that we could sing this. Uh, Paul, again, who experienced immense rejection, struggle, lashing, shipwreck, opposition, rejection, he is literally singing this to himself and encouraging others to sing this as well. There's a church in Nashville called Emmanuel, and they created an entire album on Romans chapter 8. And and one of our worship leaders, John, um, has been encouraging me to listen to this record. And for various reasons, I put it off. I started listening to this thing while preparing for this. And I started weeping while listening to this. As these words are being sung aloud, it, it, it hits your heart. And it's given by God to do just that. And in fact, that might be good for you. It might be good for all of us to just pull that album up. Emmanuel Worship. Romans eight and sing to it. We can sing right now. Did you know that we can sing right now? We can sing. See what a difference Jesus makes. We have Jesus and that means we're going to weather this differently. We just, we just are. We're going to weather this COVID crisis differently than if we just had ourselves. Amen. We can be more honest We can be more hopeful and we can sing. What if our neighbors could hear us singing through our open windows this spring? What a witness to the non-separating love of God that we have in Jesus. And maybe you're sitting out there and you've never really thought of Jesus as a pathway or as the pathway to this non-separating love of God. Trust him today. I don't know any other better moment than right now, honestly, than to fall backwards into his arms with all of your failures, with all your regrets, regrets, Let him intercede for you in this season. Because of Jesus, nothing can be against you. Nobody can bring charges against you. And nothing can separate you from God's love. And I want you to have that. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, we do pray that we could respond to this passage in faith. And that we would experience a security that is supernatural and that only comes from you. Lord, in this season of separation, would you draw us even closer to the non-separating love of God? Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.